concert climate dystopia, the swiftest comedian cancellation, and is TikTok the new group chat? I'm Maggie Zhao. And I'm Jasmine Wallace. And you're listening to Culture Club, where we chat about pop culture, current affairs, the internet, and our lives. We acknowledge that the Wandri, Woi Wurrung and Turbal people are the traditional custodians of this land we are both on today. We would like to pay our respects to elders, both past and present. We would also like to celebrate the rich history of First Nations culture and storytelling that we are continually learning from. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. This feels like a bit of a flashback a blast from the past we are currently remote recording from our separate like rooms our separate in separate states at the moment um it feels weird seeing you on the screen and not in person in front of me jazz I know it's kind of cute in a way because this is actually how we started like in 2020 I was up in Brisbane at my parents during like COVID and we started the podcast like interstate and we did it remotely for so many years And yeah, now I'm back in Brisbane visiting my parents, obviously want to get some recordings in. So here we are with our dusty, literally dusty (laughs) microphones that we have at home because like we've been in the studio for the last few months. Yeah, we're throwing it back. It's old school, um, very classic culture club with our fair share of like technical difficulties. We're just complaining about the Wi-Fi a second ago, which is Mm -hmm. always a hoot. (laughs) Yeah, that doesn't happen when you're IRL. We have barely seen each other the last few <laughs> months. We have se- we've done like two little recordings. We had one book club um, because you've been jet setting. I know we've spoken about this for the last few episodes, but quick recap, how was India? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the last episode um, I was saying that I was just about to head to India for a week and mm-hmm. now I'm back and honestly I had the best time ever like it was just one of my favorite trips I've ever been on it was incredible um it was through Intrepid and it was like a content creator for Mill with five other content creators and I don't know we just had so much fun I was just giddy the whole time I couldn't wipe the smile off my face uh we got to see like quite a few landmarks and eat all the good food and walk the streets and go to the markets and it was just like so soul enriching I would say. It seemed so incredible your photos and videos were amazing and it seemed like you challenged yourself almost to go on this trip and to like put yourself out there with the experiences that you had. I think I saw a story on your Instagram that was like you'd never really thought of going to India before or mm. no, you, sorry, you told me that on the phone. Like yeah, never thought that you would like it would be a destination on your bucket list or like it would be a priority at the moment. And obviously when this opportunity came up, how could you say no? And yeah. now you you like love it. You're like the biggest. I want to go back. <laughs> that is so true. And you're so right. I think traveling is such a beautiful and of course privileged experience and people talk about like oh your holiday self like your best version of you or like a different version of you one of the other travelers Lucy Neville who we just had on our podcast she was um it was so lovely she had an Instagram reel and she kind of gave compliments to everyone on the trip and she said like one of the words she used to describe me was adventurous and that was a word that my, my little sister was like wow like no one's ever used that word to describe you and I felt really like touched by that as well and it kind of like pushed me to be like hey that is the type of person I want to be yes. um so yeah <laughs> and that's what travel is for right you learn about yourself you put yourselves in 
in these different situations. And I also, again, I think it was a story you were like, our world is so, like we think in Australia, like Mm. we know everything and we have everything. Mm. And then you go to a culture that's so different to ours and you're like, our world is actually so small. You said something along those lines. Like there's so much that we don't know about like the way other people live, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah, because someone on the trip was, God, I can't remember word for word, but they were like, this trip has made them realize just how much they don't even know. Or like, you don't even, I don't even know how to describe it because it's like, you know, there are all these places out there and you're like, oh, there's so many things I want to experience in the world. But then even with that mindset, there's so many things you don't even know you want to like see or like you don't you aren't even aware of so that was so yeah I don't know it was just such a great time but yeah I I think I've been so lucky with travel this year so um honestly it's been I think my favorite year of my life so far wow that's so nice yeah oh that's always so heartwarming to hear yeah can before we move on I just have one more question that I haven't actually asked you yet um I would love to know what were some um preconceptions Mm. or maybe even stereotypes that you had of India or that you'd heard about India that were challenged over there? Mm. Before I get into this one, because this is like the main thing that popped into my head, I do want to say like, of course, an experience of somebody who's been taken there like via tourism and it's just for a week. Like I definitely have a different experience Mm. as someone who lives in India or like let's say if someone's traveling by themselves or whatever. So this is just my experience. But I think one of the biggest stereotypes, like every time I was going over there, I was telling people I was going to India, they're like, oh, like stay safe or like, oh, like be wary of the men kind of thing, right? And I understand um the culture mm. of like patriarchy and also just how women are seen in India is, is vastly different to a place like Australia. But in my head, I'd been like really prepared to feel really like creeped out or a bit like grossed, like grossed out about how men would interact with me. Mm. But to be honest, I didn't feel unsafe the whole time and I didn't feel um, like objectified in that way so for sure yes like people would stare at you there are not that many women actually out on the streets like there's definitely more men out and about but um what me and the girls are saying is that like yes even though people are staring at you it does look like it it feels like it's from a place of curiosity and like or rather than like objectification or something more like creepy and sinister like it was it felt quite kind almost I don't know so that's that was my experience of that do you think it was in awe because you are clearly westerners yeah foreigners or is it like the way that you all look a bit of both like I think um like I think this experience is quite common for any foreigners that come into the country as well like obviously like people with like blonde hair and blue eyes they get more attention and stuff but um even we were traveling with Rowie who is Indian and like she was getting attention and like it's an it's I, mm. I, I actually don't understand that much but yeah that's so interesting mm. cool thanks for sharing so nice to hear about your experience thanks for letting me share Jazz honestly it's been the best time and I know you have a lot of travel coming up so we can't wait to hear about your adventures overseas soon as well Thank you. I'm so excited, literally counting down the days to Christmas. I calculated the other, I think it was Monday morning. I was like, how long do I have left of this? And it was like 20 working days, which is obviously like 15 working days now. So I'm like 
counting down for a month off work, which is very exciting. Yes. God, I can't wait. But let's just get into this week's episode. There's a lot to chat about. I know this story is like a week, nearly two weeks old, but I'm still thinking about Travis Kelsey's tweets and the subsequent like jokes that have been made out of them have like have been giving me a lot of joy this week. Yeah, this was something I kind of half missed a boat on because I was away. But I have been seeing old tweets of Travis being dug up. He's like an excitable, like he's just, there was something very real about them. Like, yeah, I definitely would have tweeted that in 2010 as well, you know? (laughs) Except he was like mid-20s versus like a child. (laughs) But yeah, no thoughts behind those eyes. We posted posted one on our Instagram. Uh, If you haven't seen them, go search them. There's just lots of different funny thoughts. He was saying um, in a podcast, in the podcast he does with his brother, he was saying that like, he was using Twitter as his diary back in the day, which I feel like we, I feel like that's what Twitter used to be or that's what social media used to be. And now it's all like everyone has a personal brand and like everything means so much. But like, you know, it reminds me of like Instagram when you would literally just like post a photo of your ice cream on the grid and be like, YOLO, Froyo (laughs) time, you know, which is like quite wholesome. Yeah. Bring it back, I say. This example of digital footprint is very nice and wholesome. My other favorite person's digital footprint is Timothy Chalamet's. He's truly got the best one out there. Him like dancing to Nicki Minaj and just being like a hoot. He is so fun and so so quirky. He's not like the other boys. Like, ah, that I live for. This Travis stuff is still good, but... I want to see dancing videos and school productions. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to play a little bit of the two brothers chatting on their podcast uh, because I just think it's such a sweet interaction. Why well, don't tweet anymore? Because it's just nonsense. Up at the Olive Garden with Papa, had to grab the fettuccine with the chicken Alfredo. Schmacking. Schmacking. <laughs> Olive Garden was one of my favorites. Olive Garden, Red Lobster. The funniest one is this teacher one so this teacher tried to call on me in class i wasn't paying attention well i was and i didn't fold under pressure dub i mean it's a dub that's a, that's a big dub you call the teacher out bow well it sure made for an enjoyable uh week In tragic news this week a fan passed away at a taylor swift concert in brazil Ana Clara Benavides Machado was only 23 when she died at the concert amid allegedly the incredibly hot and extreme weather conditions. So temperatures in parts of Rio de Janeiro where the Eras concert was being held, they saw it as high as 42 degrees Celsius on Friday, according to Meteologics, but it felt like 59 degrees. And when you think about how many thousands and thousands of people are in those stadiums, all packed together, um, dancing, singing, like obviously, okay, the weather app said it was uh, 42, but which is still like crazy, crazy hot. Um, it definitely would have felt like more. According to an article by Constance Malaret for The Guardian, at least 1,000 people fainted and we all saw the video footage of Taylor on stage struggling mm. to breathe. I can't even imagine dancing and performing the way she does in like 42 degrees. It's crazy. The anger, I think, has come from the way that the venue handled this because 
if you're having 42 degree heat there's a lot of safety precautions that need to be taken probably it should have been cancelled i think but it Mm -hmm. went on anyway and the audience were banned from bringing in their own food and water which is fucked and then 300 milliliter cups inside the venue of water were expensive and hard to get a hold of. The other thing as well, like during Taylor's performance of Bad Blood, the pyrotechnics, like the fire effects were still maintained. So just imagine like how much more heat that would have added. Just like it's actually unfathomable. Mm-hmm. And this is something that like obviously we're going to the Eras tour in February. Can't wait. The heat is in February, summer, Australia, especially in Melbourne around that time, it's always really, really hot, although it has been so up and down that, like, you don't really know anymore. But um, it's something that I know that my friend Grace and I have been thinking about, like, when it comes to what we're going to wear and, like, the precautions we're going to take and, like, okay, how long do we want to be standing because we're going to be standing um, on the Saturday night. And I think that this Brazilian show shows that, like, it can happen, like, you can faint and you can pass out and like it's really really scary and I think that this is something that venues and um, artists and people who put these big productions on like festivals really really seriously need to think about because these days of heat 40 plus degrees are just like getting insane you know I actually blacked out at a concert once um and it wasn't a hectic concert it wasn't even that hot it was at the forum which means um I'm still quite nervous going to the forum every time I do um yeah and I like it was it was during Meg Mac like this was a slow song we're just standing there and I was like struggling to breathe and stuff um because for me it was like super stuff like I just yeah super stuffy it was really quite hot and Mm. and stuff um so this is a thing that not uncommon and especially especially with Taylor Swift's show like this is different to my personal experience but like I mean come on it's what's happening because of the climate crisis like this isn't an anomaly this is like something that's just going to become more and more frequent and in the same week that this news has happened Oxfam research has highlighted the current climate inequalities which we know We know that the richest 1% are fucking it all up for the rest of us. (laughs) But I think in the same – it just felt so jarring that in the same week this news was released. So a a reminder, even though I know probably all of our listeners already know, the world's richest 1% emit as much carbon as the poorest 66%. Yeah, that figure, when I got, like, the Guardian notification on my phone, like, sent shivers down my spine. Like, that is so damning. And they kind of explained it, like, okay, so the world's richest 1% is also responsible for 16% of the global emissions as well, right? So for the poorest 66%, they also um, produce 16% of the global emissions. But to have, I guess, those stark numbers next to each other is just really – sickening. Uh, The Oxfam report also found that 12 of the world's wealthiest people are responsible for producing annual energy emissions that is comparable to 2.1 million homes. So like 12 people are producing the same energy emissions as 2 million homes. Can you imagine that? Like those numbers, again, those numbers like don't make sense. And it's not 2 million people, not 12 mm-hmm. people versus 2.1 million people. Mm. It's 12 people versus 2.1 million homes. And if mm. the average home has uh, four people in it, you know, on average, 
that's crazy. It's like, you know, obviously four times that amount. It's so disgusting. It's like, it's like living in, yeah, it's dystopian, right? Mm. And I'm sure some of us can guess the names that made the list of the 12. You know, we've got Jeff Bezos, we've got Bill Gates, we've got Elon Musk, like all, all the faves, all the faves are there. But there's also the Russian oligarch Roman Abramovich, uh, Larry Page and Michael Dell, who are also tech billionaires, as well as the Mexican business magnate Carlos Slim. So, oh, man. Oh, how yeah. fucking <laughs> That's what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, this is very, very tragic news for Anna Clara, her friends and family, and also just like the entire Swifty community. I know Taylor Swift herself was heartbroken by this, as you obviously would be. So everyone who's going to the Eras Tour in Australian summer, take care, drink water, wear your sunscreen, maybe bring a hat, and, yeah, look after one another. Just a content warning for this next segment, we will be discussing domestic violence. Maggie, I need to know, before this week, had you ever heard of the quote-unquote comedian Matt Mm, Rife? Yes. I'm so sorry. I'm sad to admit it. He used to come up on my For You page quite a lot, and I used to watch his videos of his stand-up shows. Had you seen his videos before this week, Jazz? I had as well, obviously, because <laughs> every nearly every clip of his went viral. I It took me a while to follow him, actually. Like, his clips would come up and I was like, oh, like, pretty white boy, like, comedian, red flag. <laughs> so I would just kind of like, I might like, like the video and then I would scroll, scroll, scroll. And then so many came up and I was like, oh, I'm actually like enjoying these, this crowd work and like, mm. this guy actually seems quite genuinely funny. So I followed him. And now I've unfollowed him this week, which is what he wanted, apparently. So let's get into it. For those who don't know, he's a 28-year-old stand-up comedian. Um, As Jazz just mentioned, he is known for his, like, TikTok work. He is from Ohio in the US, very much like an American (laughs) comedian, I would say. And yeah, he is a very strikingly like handsome guy, you know, he's got like brown hair, he's got like really piercing blue eyes or whatever. And I don't know what drew me to him watching his videos is he's like super cocky Mm -hmm. and like got that like that like cocky charm which is gross but you're kind of drawn to it as well (laughs) at least when I was watching the videos anyway he has been a comedian for more than a decade he started when he was 15 as a teenager he featured on wild and out a sketch comedy series hosted by Nick Cannon and then in 2017 he competed on MTV's reality show called The Challenge um, yeah, he's also an actor. He appeared in Brooklyn Nine-Nine and Fresh Off the Boat, as well as Disney XD's show um, Gamer's Guide to pretty much everything. Which I didn't know before we were researching this segment. So that's mm. kind of interesting to me, I think, that he's also like in the acting game. So as I said before, many clips are of his crowd work where he responds to hecklers and also flirts with women, like women of all um, types reportedly. You know, he has a thing for like older women and it was just the whole thing. Um, Because of this, like his flirtation work, I guess, the majority of his fans were women. 
So this guy's becoming a huge star. He was on the Jimmy Fallon show two weeks ago. And on that, he says that he really nearly quit comedy. Like he was just thinking, maybe this isn't for me. He didn't get his big break. He posted this video um, on TikTok, didn't think much of it. He nearly wasn't going to post it. He'd edited it and everything. And he was like, oh, I'm so over this, like um, whatever. And then his friend said, no, you've already edited the video, just put it up. And then that was the first one that went viral. And subsequently, every single one after that went viral and his career took off. So, you know, he's on Jimmy Fallon two weeks ago. Then his Netflix special drops. I don't even know if I was going to watch this. I didn't even know he had one until this controversy, I guess. But in the early minutes of his show, he makes a domestic violence joke, which is just so disappointing. Completely. Um, So he started his special in quite like a hack predictable way where like a traveling comedian will kind of make fun of like make jokes about the city he's visiting. So he was in Washington DC and he notes how quote ratchet the city's people are. Um, And then he talked about his recent hostess who had a black eye Um, as an example. Let's play a clip of um, what he says now. I've only been to Baltimore one time. I ate lunch there and the hostess who like seats you at the restaurant had a black eye. <laughs> a full black eye. And it wasn't like, what happened? Yeah, it was pretty obvious what happened. And we couldn't get over the fact that we were like, this is the face of the company? Like this is, this is who you have greeting people? And my boy who I was with was like, yeah, I feel bad for her, man. I feel like they should put her in the kitchen or something where nobody... <laughs> Nobody has to see her face, you know? And I was like, yeah, but I feel like if she could cook, she wouldn't have that black eye. So. <laughs> Testing the water, seeing if y'all are going to be fun or not. Just wanted to see. Just wanted to see. I figured we start the show with domestic violence. The rest of the show should be, should be pretty smooth sailing after that. So this little snippet of his comedy special started um like trending on tiktok basically and then people were responding me like obviously outraged um because he's like punching down right Mm. which is every like good comedian knows that you should always punch up like don't punch down especially if you're a freaking pretty privileged white american man like what Mm. the fuck so obviously he starts getting backlash especially across tiktok and as a apology he um made an instagram story that was like this is for anyone who's ever been offended by a joke i've told and you click the link and it sends you to a shop that's selling special needs helmets i saw a tiktok that said that he might have gotten away with the domestic violence joke like obviously there was outrage initial like he would have lost fans regardless but i think the doubling down and then it's like okay you're making fun of domestic violence victims and now you're making fun of people with like disability like that double down has like that's I think the like the big double whammy of this yeah and like I'm just sick of it I'm just tired when I when I think about this whole story I'm just so frustrated because it's like number one this boy's not even that funny number two just because he throws out edgy jokes he thinks he is and, like, that's what pisses me off. Like, I'm so sorry you're catering to 14-year-old teenage boys with your quote-unquote comedy and you just mm-hmm. think that because you're an edgelord, oh, we just don't get it. Like, we're just too precious. We're too sensitive. 
maybe it's because you suck. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> so what many women, especially on TikTok, are talking about, which I find so interesting, is the betrayal of the fans. In an interview with Variety, Matt expressed that Natural Selection, which is the name of his special, quote, tackles the common misconception that his audience is only female. The quote reads, Despite what you think about me online, I don't pander my career to women. I would argue this special is way more for guys. And all these people on TikTok are like, in the year of the Barbie movie, in the year of the Eras tour, when women can literally change economies, they can bloody save Sweden from recession. You want to shed your female audience and respond to the bros and the boys. Like, it's actually disgusting and i know we're getting like so worked up about this one guy and it's so easy to be like oh just like don't watch a special or like this is what he wants he wants Mm. you know quote unquote woke people like us to get angry and to talk about him on our podcast and like make tiktoks but it's like i just don't understand why you would want to alienate literally the people who made you like if it wasn't for his good looks which a lot of people are saying is plastic surgery and women going to shows and defending him like Mm. i've seen tiktoks of people being like women literally made this guy because men would be like oh he's not even that funny and women would be defending him like no he actually is pretty funny um it's it's not just his good look like women were being like oh he's good looking and he's also funny yeah now it's just like he's turned on his own fans which i find such a weird masterclass in branding like why would you do that Hard agree. I think it just shows how misogynistic he is if he like laps up the praise and validation, views and support from women. But as soon as we've given him what he needs, he just like throws us out on the curb. Yeah. I saw a TikTok by um the account Therapy with Jeff. Uh he He's the guy who's um he always does like relationship therapy TikToks of like your babe needs this, your babe needs that. He's actually quite sweet. So he did some armchair psychology on Matt Rife. Whether you think this is ethical or not, to psychoanalyze someone on TikTok and to talk about their family history is kind of beside <laughs> the point. Because I think he does make some fascinating points. Mm. People are trying to wrap their head around this, especially the women who built up Matt Rife. They're trying to be like, why on earth would you do this? And therapy with Jeff comes in and kind of explains some of Matt's family history and why he's done this. So we'll play a little bit of that now. Obviously, I'm not his therapist and I'm not going to diagnose Matt. But with the limited info I know about his family and childhood, I want to do some armchair psychology. Also, like him, my audience is 85% women only because of how gorgeous I am. So, okay, some basic family history. Matt's dad died by unaliving himself when Matt was 17 months old. That's a deeply traumatic loss, especially in the context of losing a father and male role model at such a young age. His mom, from all accounts, appears to be an amazing mother. Matt felt really close to her. He grew up with three older stepsisters and one younger half-sister. So Matt was the only boy among five women in his family. It's likely he learned to gain attention by being the funny one, a classic role. We love to see it. We all adapt in our families to get our needs met and his way was likely through humor. He had to learn to perform to an all-female audience, his mom and four sisters. No surprise he's so skilled at connecting with a predominantly female audience. This is starting to make sense. But there's more. 
His grandfather stepped in soon after his father's passing. Matt describes his grandfather as the greatest man he's ever known. He's never loved someone so much. And if he's ever made you laugh, it's because of his grandfather. However, a year ago in November, he lost his grandfather, the man who had been like a father figure to him. Another huge loss for Matt. Now, both his dad and grandfather are gone, leaving a gaping man-sized hole in his heart. For Matt to pivot from his comedy, which primarily appeals to women, to focus on gaining attention from men can be seen as a significant overcorrection. This shift makes psychological sense to me, though. He yearns for the love of his father, who he lost as a baby, and he deeply misses the connection he had with his grandfather, who bonded with him over humor. This shift towards a male audience might represent an unconscious effort to fill the void left by these male figures, perhaps seeking the approval and love he missed from his father and the connection he cherished with his grandfather. Is my analysis correct? No idea. I'm missing so much important information. Does this excuse Matt's misogynistic jokes and problematic comedy writing? Oh my God, of course not. You cannot mental health your way out of accountability. Does it possibly put things into context? For me, it kind of does. Here's hoping Matt learns, yearns, yearns and learns from his experience and finds a good therapist who can help him heal whatever wounds he may have that contributed to those jokes that just didn't work. So as Jeff said, you know, this might not be a hundred, like we don't really fully know and you can't like tell just from someone's TikTok presence whether that is true. But I think the reasoning or like, you know, the childhood trauma or not having male um, family members around him, it makes sense. It's like, of course, he. that's why he wants male validation. Mm. That's why he's rege- he only was performing to his sisters and his mum his whole life. Mm. He's then gone into his audience is mainly female. So now he's like all he's really craving is male validation. And so that's why he's like throwing his female fans to the side. I think it's fascinating, honestly. And there's been quite a bit written on this as well. There was an article for the ABC. It was called The Rise and Immediate Potentially Strategic Downfall of Matt Rife. And that was written by Jared Richards. He writes, Comedians like Bill Burr, Joe Rogan, Shane Gillis, Ricky Gervais and Dave Chappelle all have Netflix specials that, in part, deal with backlash to jokes and the idea that you can't say anything anymore. Chappelle's sick special deal is the most controversial as Netflix paid $20 million US for each as a comedian steadily upped commentary around trans issues. I also like this quote from the article that reads, there's a lot of money in being cancelled and Rife's non-apology suggests he's ready to level up beyond TikTok. Whether he gains a new audience as he loses others remains to be seen. So immediately I think Matt Rife has like purposely put himself mm. in the like right wing, like, oh, fuck you, like social justice warriors, woke people, like I don't need you, I need real men kind of like. Yes camp so where's this career gonna go is he just gonna pander to men now and like Mm. just continue with this like misogynistic style of comedy and i'm really just to see if he like his career keeps going or if this is it like if he just falls flat on his face but knowing you know the success of all the men who you mentioned at the top probably he will be Mm. fine i'm putting my bets on that
We've made it no secret on the mic that we love a bit of gossip. Uh, as Jazz famously said, she loves a bit of debriefing, right? Um, so we had to talk about the latest TikTok drama that is doing the rounds, and it is about a friendship breakup that happened about a year ago. So I actually didn't come across this on my For You page, but you sent it to me, and I think it's an interesting topic to get into. The drama began earlier this month when beauty and fashion influencer Kelly Kim decided to share why she chose to ghost one of her best friends after the best friend allegedly flirted with a man who would ultimately become Kelly's boyfriend. So this is actually the video that came up on my For You page. So I got the original. I got it delivered straight to my page and yeah she's just doing a get ready with me she's like a gorgeous like a woman and she's and she kind of starts a video saying quote I've never ever in my life had to cut out a person cold turkey I've never had to go through a friendship breakup because genuinely I feel like I only open up to the people who deserve my time and I end up loving them for a lifetime hopefully but this girl was just an exception and then she continues on being like like here's why she calls herself a girl's girl but here's why she isn't right what I found interesting about this whole situation is that there are obviously two sides to a friendship breakup and the side that you hear first or the side that you get delivered this is in real life like with your in real life friendships or if you're you know digesting drama from tiktok it really just changes like your perception on the matter um so this is the first video i watched and i would say that i sided with kelly let's go through some of the things that she alleges that her friend joanna did though some of the things that kelly is claiming joanna did was that the day she met her boyfriend she added him to close friend stories she was posting attention traps she took her boyfriend's hoodie and then continue, because she was cold and then continued to wear it for two weeks and post it on social media. Uh, she randomly showed love for the brand her boyfriend likes, spent hours to get ready to see him, called up another friend saying she thinks he's cute and then got him the sandwich that he likes from a bakery and got up early to give it to him for work. Okay. Now here's where Joanna enters the picture because she posts a TikTok video that I actually saw in Twitter randomly but she was like whoa so I've seen this video floating around from this girl Kelly Um, we were best friends and then she randomly ghosted me about a year ago and I don't know why and then she kind of rebutes the claim so here's what she said so yeah she was like I'm super sad I had to find out via TikTok this is like why she had a problem with me even though she reached out in person and was like wanting to mend that relationship about the close friend situation she said that close friends don't mean a lot to her like she added everyone that she met that night on her close friends um about the hoodie she said that she was like she's notorious for not giving back hoodies and she thought it was a cute hoodie in terms of the sandwich situation which was like honestly the climax of the story (laughs) she was saying that um (laughs) the boyfriend actually helped her mount her tv Keep in mind, Joanna and Kelly are best friends and roommates, right? And she explained the sandwich situation that she wanted to give the sandwich to show him gratitude as she would with anyone who helped her with like a chore like that. And she even gave the sandwich to her friend Kelly to give to her boyfriend. Like, you know, she didn't hand it directly to him. I know this is so much about a sandwich, but honestly, (laughs) it's serious, okay? Um... So after I listened to that, I kind of flipped and I was like, oh, I don't know, you know, 
I don't know what the deal is here and I don't know who's in the wrong, if there is a wrong, what happened really. So an ex comment was like, why are we in the group chat girl? And the videos on, on X or Twitter have 113.7 million views. Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> like, and this got me thinking about why do people like these types of videos why are we exposing our dirty laundry on TikTok, even if it happened a year ago? Also, is this the new reality TV? Like watching drama that at its core is pretty meaningless. It's kind of giving high school. I'm not going to lie. I feel like these girls are 19. Mm. Like, mm. come on, people. Yeah. What makes that so entertaining? Why do you think? Like, because you you kind of pitch this to me. Like, why do you think that we find this so entertaining? One thing that I think is like crucial here is that it is about a friendship breakup. And yes, even though we are talking more about them, it is still quite a taboo to have like female friends fall apart for reasons, you know, X, Y, and Z. I think it's still salacious. I think there is there are elements of betrayal. I think especially when there's a man centered it like in the story as well. It just makes like, I mean- it is like a telenovela. It is like a daytime soap drama. That's why I think people are always going to be drawn to stories like this. Yeah. Yes, I agree. And I think you're right about the whole taboo about female friendships. And like, I don't know, maybe the sisterhood says that like we shouldn't talk about friendship breakups because it's considered mm. gossiping. I think this mm-hmm, is definitely mm-hmm. gossiping. Yeah. I also liked the way that when you hear both sides of the story, it does make you realize that like that obviously are always two sides to any story. But I think when it comes to friendships, it's so easy to just like take your friend's like word as gospel because you want to like defend them or you want to like hear them out. Like it's something mm-hmm. that I've been trying to learn as well. Like when people do things that I might not agree with or like they seem to be being rude or whatever to me, it's kind of like it's probably not personal. <laughs> Mm. And also I think if it is, communication should probably be better and you should talk to your friends. I think the whole, also the whole ghosting Mm. your close friend, former roommate to avoid uh, confrontation, but then putting it on TikTok for millions of people to see is also a bit of fuck. So true. And then from the audience perspective, because yeah, millions of people have actually tuned in on this, but also weighed in with their two cents. I think people love little like band like little camps you know people loving team joanna or team kelly and they love having something to like Mm. fight for and then it's like being part of the drama but you have no skin in the game so like you're you're personally safe which is i think what's interesting it's like drama but without the heat Mm. yeah I wonder, like, um, psychologically, as humans, we love this stuff. I wonder if it's because we are, like, obviously tribal um, animals. And so if you're, like, if you agree with the majority of a drama, it means Mm. that, like, you will be safe because you will have the resources. Like, you're part of – you're not going to be outcast because being outcast means, like, death, essentially. If you're out Mm. of your tribe, you don't have access to food and water and safety and shelter. I know this is going, like, so bloody deep, but – I think it could be a reason as humans why we love like, I don't know, like feeling part of like um, kind of gossip because it's like, well, we're in, we're in the in group. So we're Mm -hmm. safe. And like Mm -hmm. the other person 
is going to leave the tribe. <laughs> I don't know. This is so, no, so I deep. agree with that. I actually agree with that. Um, I think we've seen a lot of like TikTok drama that revolve around friendships like Couch Guy, um, which was an instance where like a guy returned to surprise his girlfriend sorry, a girl <laughs> surprised her long-distance boyfriend and he had like a very like crappy reaction. Um, but I think we always love things where we can kind of point the finger at somebody else and be like, oh, they're in the wrong or like they're doing it yes. poorly. Um, and this is no different. Yeah, it makes you feel better about yourself, I think, when it's like, oh, I would never do that. Yeah. But we all do. We all do shit things sometimes. <laughs> If you had to choose, Jazz, would you say you're Team Kelly or Team Joanna? Oh, God. Um, team Kelly. I think the hoodie thing was weird. Being like, I love wearing cute hoodies. Maybe you should stop stealing other people's clothes. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it is now time for recommendations. And every week we bring you something that we've enjoyed reading, watching, or listening to. And this week we have a joint recommendation. I think you all know what it's going to be. And it is the movie Salt Burn. I saw it a week ago and Mags, you only saw it yesterday. So you, it's very fresh for you. Let's do spoiler free just in yes, case. Some for sure. Haven't for seen sure. It. What did you think? Oh my God. I love this movie. So let's take it back for some people who might not have seen it. I remember watching the trailer like a couple months ago on TikTok and it was just like a beautiful blur of random imagery without any plot. <laughs> so I was like, this looks great. It's got Jacob Elordi. Um, yes. Don't know what this is about, but I want to watch it. It's very like that cool indie, like A24 kind of style of film. Take us through the plot briefly, Jazz. So Saltburn is set in 2006 and it begins with Oliver Quick, a poor working class person who begins at, you know, obviously the prestigious university. He meets Felix Catton, who is a um, rich aristocratic person, young guy, and they form a friendship. During the summer, Oliver gets invited to Felix's family home um, where he meets his whole family, including Elspeth, who is played by Rosamund Pike, Sir James, who's played by Richard E. Grant, um, his kind of pseudo-auntie Pamela, who is played by Carrie Mulligan, and his cousin Farley, who is played by Archie Medeque, his sister Venetia, who's played by Alison Oliver, who is in Conversations with Friends. As you can tell, he has an incredible, oh like this movie has an incredible cast. Yes. Did you just realize that who she is? I just realized who she is. Shut up. Yeah. Wait, what the heck? It literally took me to the end of the movie. Because if you've seen Conversations with Friends, like she plays like a timid, quiet, mousy girly. And here she is not that. Holy shit. Well, there is... um. No spoils, obviously. There's a scene where she's essentially makeupless, and she looks so beautiful. Um, and I and I see it there. I see it there. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I recognized that. her, but I was like, oh. And then it was when we were going down the escalator that I was like, oh my god, duh, because we didn't actually finish conversations with friends. Remember, we watched like a few episodes together. True. I, did you finish, I it? Finish I a pers- finish it? Yeah, I finished it personally. Oh, sorry, I never finished it for the book anyway beside the point so Oliver goes to this family home over summer and then you know kind of 
a little bit of chaos ensues. No spoilers. Mm. But, um, yes, I also love this movie. I was totally shocked. I went with um, to the premiere with um, our friends, two friends named Ali. It's always very confusing. They both work at Refinery. It's very confusing. Ali and Ali and um, our friend Bella. And there's one scene I think everyone who's seen it will know what I'm talking about close to the end. And I looked over yeah. at um, Ali King and her face, her jaw, for a good for the whole scene, which is like I don't know a minute or two, her jaw had dropped, and I was like going between like looking at her reaction and looking at the screen, and her face was just so funny. <laughs> I'm never gonna forget it. But um, I think that sums up the plot, right? Like you can't, or the movie, you yeah. can't really look away, even though it's kind of making you feel emotions that are like, wait, do I enjoy this? Like, is this this is a bit fucked? But like. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's so good. Obviously written by and directed by Emerald Fennell, who did Promising Young Women. I think, you know, she's just on the up and up. Yeah, God, I found this. I love the movie so much. So, yes, I only watched it yesterday. I would say it's in, like, my top favourite, like, eight movies of all time. Wow. Probably, like, my favourite thing I've watched all year. Yeah, like, I fully love this, like, in the cinema. Wow, that is a mm-hmm. big call. I was, like, like equal parts obsessed, disgusted, in all, enthralled, like, ugh. And the, I think the cinematography yeah. was, um like, such a standout. There were so many points I just wanted to, to like, pause the movie to be, like, admiring the shot that uh, emerald created because it was just so beautifully shot um there are really funny parts as well it is like it is technically like a psychological thriller also veers into like that dark comedy sphere i would say um bit of everything yeah yeah (laughs) it's also been described as a satire which i think Mm. is interesting and yeah like there are parts where you just you're laughing out loud, and then it's just like the next scene is like devastating, which I yeah. kind of like that roller coaster. Me you too. Never know what's Me coming. too. I agree. I think they play with emotions really well, and they like as a viewer and an audience, like you have really taken on a ride. There's no, I won't like my own. Like I have a couple criticisms, um, very vaguely, so no spoilers. But I think there was a bit too much showing at the end. I agree. I agree. Yeah, cool. I yeah, I think straight up a bit on the well. nose sometimes. Could have been more subtle. Agreed. I'm glad we're on the same page, yeah. Jazzy. Yeah, I think I literally said that to Ali. Oh, Bella, as we walked out, I was like, oh, the ending was a little on the nose, but um, yeah. like still incredible. Oh, makes you laugh, makes you cry, makes you. I really want to go see it again. I'm going to take my sister yeah. while I'm up in Brisbane because I do want to see it again and like mm. get more. Kind of like if you obviously when you know the ending. You can watch it through a different lens. So true. That's it from us. I feel like we're trying to tiptoe so carefully around it so we don't have any spoilers. But we highly recommend watching this. Um, If you're keen, um, send us your thoughts if you have seen it too. And I've been asking everyone who's seen it. I'm like, send me any technical (laughs) TikToks you find about it. Like I want to be in the I want to be in the community. I want to be talking about it. (laughs) The Saltburn community. Well, that's, yeah, all we have time for today. But thank you so much for listening. As always, we love you guys and we'll chat with you next time. Bye. Bye.